ಕಂಸಚಾಣೂರಮರ್ದನಂ ದೇವಕೀ ಪರಮಂದಂ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ವಂದೇ ಜಗದ್ಗುರು ವಿ ಆರ್ ಸ್ಟಡಿಂಗ್ ದ ಫಿಫ್ತ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತಾ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಇನ್ ದಿಸ್ ಫಿಫ್ತ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ದಿ ಸಬ್ಜೆಕ್ಟ್ ವಾಸ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ಸ್ಪಿರಿಚುವಲ್ ಪ್ರಾಕ್ಟಿಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಅವರ್ ಚಾಯ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ವೇ ಆಫ್ ಲೈಫ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ವಾಟ್ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ಸೆಟ್ ಸೋ ಫಾರ್ ಇಸ್ ದ್ಯಾಟ್ whether you are going to be a monk or a householder you have a choice there but it is uh, it is safer and better to be a householder if you are ready to be a monk you can be a monk but uh, otherwise you can do you can definitely realize god become enlightened even as a householder but what we have no choice over whether you are a monk or a householder no choice over spiritual practice that has to be gone through and that spiritual practice is threefold there is karma upasana gyana karma upasana gyana um karma yoga for purification of mind upasana or worship or meditation for concentration of mind and gyana the way of knowledge for removing ignorance ignorance about our reality so advaita vedanta is unique in this way vachaspati mishra the great comment uh, sub commentator on shankara's writings about a thousand years ago vasishpati mishra he writes in his commentary the bhamati he said see there are two kinds of achievement one is he says grama desha prapti that means you go to another village i'm going from one village to another village you actually have to walk there you have to go go through a certain process to get there you are not there yet you will get there uh, but you have to put in the effort and the right kind of effort and then you get there the second kind of attainment he says is galavalaya prapti galavalaya means a necklace so there is a necklace um which is around our own neck but we are searching here and there where is my necklace uh, you know these days more than a necklace it might be where is the mask where did i drop my mask where did the mask go it's on your neck you have pulled it down and you forgot and you are looking here and there so it's on your neck galavalaya literally means like a necklace but it can also stand for a for a mask also um so the mask which is there right here in our neck and we're looking here and there for my mask or in my pocket for my mask but it's right here now that attainment of that how do you get that mask not by doing anything by knowledge you never lost it it was always there the necklace which is on our, on, on our necks we have never lost it it's always there but somehow we are we suffer from the ignorance uh, that we we come to the feeling that it's not there and then we look everywhere else for it the only way to attain that that so called lost so called lost necklace is by knowledge somebody must point it out there it is on your neck and you say oh so oh it is there you're right i had never lost it it was always there i was mistaken a mistake can be corrected not by work mistake has to be corrected by knowledge error has to be corrected by knowledge i am brahman you are brahman always where you are and you always will be choicelessly so it's just that we don't know it just that we somehow we are not aware of it the real solution is to become aware of what we truly are as swami ji calls it our own divine nature once you are aware of that and that that is enlightenment and that attaining enlightenment is that second kind of attainment what vasishmati mishra called it's not like going to a different village it's like uh, finding the necklace which has always been there on our necks 
that's that's um, spirituality according to advaita vedanta why this is important to point out is just about in every other um, path in every other teaching it's that other kind of attainment like going to the other village you do something and then you get something which you did, do not have and the advaita vedanta says that cannot be the nature of true spirituality all right but the doing something what, what is the position of that in advaita vedanta doing something is important it's important because it creates the conditions for enlightenment it creates the conditions for knowledge what are the conditions for enlightenment what are the conditions for knowledge vedanta we all we know again and again we hear the first thing we hear when we start studying vedanta the fourfold qualifications viveka vairagya the sixfold discipline and the intense desire to be free viveka vairagya samadamaadi shat sampatti humukshutvam in sanskrit these are the four qualifications among them also the most important if you say one thing it's the last one humukshutvam the intense desire to be free sri ramakrishna says is is that he calls it vyakulata whether it's on the path of knowledge whether it's on the path of devotion one thing is this intense desire right now so why don't we have that intense desire the right now the problem is that intense desire is there but it is scattered in the world we have thrown it into the world and that desire that power of wanting it is scattered into the world as i want money and success and learning and achievement and health and husband wife children grandchildren um, friends um, or you know facebook friends likes all of these things i want a hundred different things in the world my my desire has been scattered into that that's why there's nothing left over for want that's why we don't feel the intense desire for god realization we are interested all of us are interested otherwise you wouldn't be here all of us are interested we want it but not so much not so intensely not so consistently and not so seriously that other things become unimportant so that is called vyakulata or mumukshutvam that is the one if you say one condition for enlightenment that's the one condition okay um so sri krishna said to arjuna that spiritual practices must be done uh, why this intense desire for realization for god realization this will come when that desire which has been scattered in the world when that is collected and directed towards god for that we have to work and that work is called karma yoga converting our activities into spiritual practice and at karma yoga krishna has pointed out it can be at various levels um it can be at the physical level you can actually do a puja and worship god or you can even more not or and um one can and one should convert one's daily activities into a kind of puja a worship you're cooking talking cleaning um driving you know working in your office all of that it can be converted into spiritual practice into into karma yoga so converting our daily activities so physically it can, there is karma yoga verbally vachika there is karma yoga at the verbal level you may be chanting the lord lord's name you may be chanting hymns you may be reciting the gita all of that is the verbal level and at the mental level 
there is karma yoga that is called upasana that's also on the kind of karma yoga upasana means worship this is a second level of advaitic practice worship mental worship meditation um japa meditation japa especially mental meditation internally when you visualize the deity and meditate on god in some form that's also a practice that's also a kind of doing because you're doing it mentally all of this doing physically verbally mentally all of these creates the conditions for enlightenment conditions for enlightenment sounds very philosophical it simply means what sri ramakrishna says vyakulata after sometime what will happen is this whole project of god realization enlightenment this will become very serious we want that and that only and the issues in the world will become much smaller problems with people problems with finances problems in community problems of the body they are there but it, they are not overwhelming for us anymore now sri krishna says in the 12th verse we are doing the 12th verse i think 12th 13th verse we are doing so 12th verse sri krishna says yukta karma phalam tyaktva shanti mapnoti naishtikim ayukta kama karana phale sakto nivadyate a person who practices karma yoga in this way what is karma yoga the doing remember what i said originally advaita vedanta is not about doing it is about knowing that like the necklace on your neck realize that you are the atman but to get there to get that kind of enlightenment the doing is important and the doing consists of various kinds of karma yoga and krishna says in the 12th verse the one who is doing karma yoga spiritual practice physically verbally mentally who is not pursuing the objects of desire in the world rather all the activities in the world have been converted into karma yoga that person first of all he says this discipline shanti mapnoti naishtikim we i talked about it last time five levels of peace five levels of peace of mind if you remember one is first of all by making our actions ethical most basic a clean life when you clean up our up our life you get peace of mind second not only a clean life but also an unselfish life i don't want anything for this little body mind for this little personality karma yoga that is the second level you get a deeper peace third level at the level of so this the fifth the the first and second levels are external third level is internal not only am i leading an ethical life not only am i leading an unselfish life but internally my thoughts are about god not about the world i'm not thinking about people and events and problems in the world i'm occupied in thinking about my krishna my rama my kali uh, my my thoughts are about thoughts about god i'm um um swami suhitananda ji who's the vice president of the order he told me once that one he was a sevak an attendant for swami premeshananda ji disciple of the holy mother masharada so he was suhitananda was a young brahmachari at that time and he used to serve swami premeshananda one day so premeshananda ji was was ill lying in the bed one day swami suhitananda ji just you know at random without any warning just asked swami what are you thinking about just now right now and swami premeshananda ji said um in bengali sarvabhyapi shri ramakrishna 
all pervading Sri Ramakrishna, Sri Ramakrishna who pervades the entire universe. Now see, at random you ask somebody, what do you think? You're thinking about God. And that's a wonderful thing. Um, so, yeah. And then uh, what happens is, third level of peace is that when the mind it, it dwells on God all the time, you get an even deeper level of peace. Your peace becomes even deeper. The fourth level of peace, where you transcend the mind, shut down the mind in samadhi, yogic samadhi, at least twice in a day. You need the mind to work with, with the, in the world, but you don't need the mind all the time. Just as you don't need hands and legs all the time. Just because you have hands and legs, you have legs, do you, do you keep running around? Do you have hands, do you keep grasping things? And do you have a, a, a mouth, do you keep eating all the time? No. Uh, similarly, you have a mind. You don't keep thinking all the time. You can shut down the mind. Most of the thoughts are useless anyway. So you can shut down the mind at least a couple of times in a day. In deep meditation, you will get the deepest peace possible. An unthinkable peace. We do not know how much peace is possible. In deep meditation, in deep relaxation, you get that peace. So that is yogic meditation. That takes uh, quite a lot of practice over many years. And you get very deep. There's a fourth level of peace. The fifth level will come. The fifth level is the ultimate. Uh, is the peace of Brahman itself, which is peace itself. Shantam. Upanishad says, Brahman is Shantam. And that will come now, next. But in contrast, Krishna says, Ayukta Kama Karena Phale Sakto Nibadhyate. In contrast to this, the person who does not practice Karma Yoga, who is not worshipful, who is not prayerful, who does not meditate on God, who keeps his or her mind constantly on the world. And what, what, what is the motivation? Kamakarena is propelled by desire, propelled by temptation, propelled by fear, propelled by fear. Fear and temptation rule the life. They're acting out of anxiety or out of greed, out of lust, out of um, habit. So if you act out of anxiety or, or you know anger, greed, uh, it, it is rajasic. Acting simply out of habit, that is tamasic. But it is all propelled by desire. So one who is propelled by desire and wants the results of the actions, that person who is not practicing karma yoga, you cannot stop action. We cannot stop action. At our level, action will go on in the world. You will have to do something to maintain the body and mind. If you are married, you have to maintain your family, your, you know, your household status. And so action will go on. Even if you are a monk, sitting in a mountain cave in, in the Himalayas. You have to go out and um, beg for food at least once in a day. To go and take a dip in the Ganga. You have to sit for meditation. So some action you have to do anyway. Uh, so action will go on. Now, the, will I do that action? Will it be karma yoga or will it simply be karma? But the ones who do simply karma, propelled by desire, badhyate, phale sakto badhyate, being, at, being tied to the results of action, they are, they are caught in samsara, in this suffer. Those who do karma yoga, they are freed from this. They get peace of mind. What kind of peace of mind? The first level and second level. First level and second. Third level also. Because bhakti will be included in all of this. So third level also. Mm, then, number 13. Let's do number 13. But the last level, the highest level of peace. Now he's going to talk about that. Once one has these qualifications, one is ready and one comes to Advaita Vedanta, you do that 
other kind of spiritual practice where it is not doing something, not like going to another village. It's like recognizing that the necklace is on your neck. It's like recognizing that I am the Atman. Then what happens? That will be talked about from now on. From 13th verse onwards, he's going to talk about that. Um, the path of knowledge. Sarva karmani manasa sanyasyaste sukham vashi navadware pure dehi naiva kurvannakarayan The self-controlled embodied being renouncing all actions through his mind rests at ease in the uh, city of nine gates, the body, neither acting nor causing to act. So what is being said here? Um, by the path of knowledge, okay, let me just back up a little bit and explain what is meant here, and then we'll see, look at the verse itself. So once I have got the requisite qualifications, once my mind is uh, sort of peaceful and under control and focused, and then I study the Upanishads, the uh, Gita, and the Prakarana texts, you know, Drigrisha Vivek, Aparokshanubhuti, Vivek Churamani, whatever, Vedanta Sar and all. I come to a realization. What am I told? You really do not know what you are. Your, your real nature as the Atman, you do not know. Right now, what we know ourselves to be, this body-mind, what do we know ourselves to be? I know myself to be, I refers to body, mind, and the consciousness reflected in it. So when I say I, in the state of ignorance, it basically refers to this body only, and not nothing else. And the mind in that body. Mind means thoughts, feelings, the personality. With the reflected consciousness. It's like the I at present just represents the pot, the clay pot, the water in it, and the little reflected sun in it. And that's what the I means. Clay pot, body. The water in it, the mind, thoughts, the personality. I, the person, Sarvapriyananda. And there's also the, the one technical point that Advaita Vedanta adds. Body, mind, everybody is aware. Advaita Vedanta adds, notice that you are aware. This awareness is there. That is a reflected awareness. That is called Chidabhasa. Chidabhasa, Vidantakkarana and the Deha. Sthula Deya, sukshma de, uh, Sthula Sharira, Sukshma Sharira, Karana Sharira is understood. And Chidabhasa, reflected consciousness. This is the meaning of I for us. Now what Vedanta does, once you come to Vedanta, the path of knowledge, by various means, Drigdrishya Viveka, the way of the seer and the seen, Panchakosha Viveka, by the way of the five sheets of the human personality, Avasthatraya Viveka, by the analysis of the three states of waking, dreaming and deep sleep. Whichever way, one or more, we suddenly realize, or we are, it's pointed out, no, the I is not what you thought it was. You thought that the I was the pot, water and the little reflected sun. No, the real I is that one big sun high up in the sky. You are not this little body. You are not even this little mind with its thoughts, feelings, memories, projects, likes and dislikes. No, you are not even this little awareness in that body and mind. 
Rather, you are this infinite awareness which is shining in and through this body and mind. This is something you did not know till now, until you came to Vedanta. And you are told that such a thing exists, not only such a thing exists Brahman, one infinite existence consciousness, it exists, but you are that. You are Brahman. The real meaning of I is not body-mind awareness, reflected awareness. Real meaning of I is pure awareness, unlimited awareness. Real meaning of I is not Thula Sharira, Sukshma Sharira, Karana Sharira, Vichidavasa in Sanskrit, but it is Brahman, Satchidananda. This difference. It's like, um, take the example of the movie example. I like that example. So there is a movie screen. On the movie screen are projected pictures and the whole story goes on there. There is a there are there are the uh, you know the heroes and the villains and the you know there are also plants and animals and there are there is the earth and the sky and a big drama sometimes a comedy sometimes uh, a tragedy it's all going on but all that is really there is the movie screen i mean for the time being i'm ignoring the light and everything just the movies the physically what is there if you go and touch any person in the movie if you touch any place in the movie if you touch any animal plant uh, whatever you touch, uh, underwater, on the ground, in space, whatever is going on in the movie, if you touch it, you will touch only the same screen. In everything, there is only that same screen. Now what happens is, what Vedanta has told you, is till now, somehow the screen had forgotten itself and was identifying with one character in the movie. It could be the hero or the villain or something. It was identifying with one character in the movie. And you are now told, I, oh, um, you know, you're told that you are not this character. You are the screen on which this character and every character and the whole movie is playing. Now, this screen, so what, what difference does it make? Um, in that case, first of all, I am not a physical entity. Second is, I am not a mental entity. I am consciousness. Then the characteristics of the physical entity, that it is born. I am not born with the birth of the physical body. Does the screen come into existence when the hero is born in the movie? Not at all. I do not age with the aging of the uh, body. Does the screen get older as the characters in the movie get older? You know, years have passed in the movie. Everybody is much older. Has the screen also become older? Not at all. Uh, so, I do not age with the aging of the, of the body. I am not diseased with the... Uh, if the um, person in the movie is suffering from a, a, a fatal illness and lying in a hospital, is the screen suffering from the fatal illness? Not at all. I am not affected by the disease of the body and I am not affected by the death of the body. Suppose it's a tragedy and the character in the movie dies and you're all weeping. But is the screen dead? Of course not. It cannot die. It cannot be born. It cannot age. It cannot be diseased. It cannot die. You cannot be born. You cannot age. You cannot be diseased. You cannot die. Recently somebody was saying that, yes, Swami, we know, I mean, uh, I'm suffering from this illness, that illness, but we know we have to die. I said, look, uh, a couple had come, husband, wife. 
They said, look, uh, we, it is true. We are all going to die. And they looked a little shocked. We are all going to die. It is true. But it is even more true that we are not going to die. None of us are going to die. We are immortal. This whole fear that I'm going to die and it's so terrible and so scary, not at all. It's nothing. How is it so terrible if you have done something a thousand times in the past, 10,000 times? Why is it so terrible? You have had plenty of practice in birth and death, in old age and disease. And, and yet, you'll say none of it was there. The screen is not at all affected. Similarly, with the personality of the characters in the movie, someone is very happy by, by personality, someone is depressed, Someone is unhappy, someone is angry, someone is, uh, you know, all sorts of personalities are shown on the way. Does the screen get happy or angry or depressed? Not at all. Similarly, you, the infinite immortal awareness, you're not affected by the ups and downs of the mind. So, oh, Bill is saying different kind of birth control. Very interesting. Um, Swami Yogeshanandaji, he wrote this book, Six Lighted Windows. So at that time, so in that book, there's a chapter on Swami Madhavanandaji. So at, the, at that time, Madhavanandaji had come to the United States for an operation. Uh, he was the president of the order at that time, 1960s, I think. Um, and Swami Yogeshwaranandaji was uh, like, like a nurse who took care of, uh, before he became a monk, he, he took care of Swami Madhavanandaji, the physiotherapy and all. So one day, a group of devotees, at that time, birth control was a new issue, big, big issue. So that some of the devotees were discussing this. They thought that Swami will not be interested. Well, so what, is this right? Is this wrong? Is it good or bad? The devotees were discussing. Um, to their surprise, the Swami said from a distance, he said, I, I am all for it. They, they said, oh, Swami, uh, you, you have a position on this. You, you have something to say. He said, yes, no birth, no death. So <laughs> the birth control is what he meant was by uh, enlightenment, you realize. What you realize is not that the screen was ever born or is ever going to die. It is something that cannot be born. How can consciousness be born? How can the sun in the sky actually physically enter into a pot or water? Impossible. It can be reflected there, but you can't, can't actually do that. You are not affected by the ups and downs of the body or the mind also. The screen is not affected by anything that happens to the character, good or bad. Not only that, even after all the characters are dead, screen continues to exist. So we are not born with the birth of the body and we survive the death of the body. Not only that, it is the same screen behind all the characters. In ignorance, the screen thought, I am this character. But after becoming enlightened, the screen, enlightened screen sees, I am all characters, or rather, all characters depend on me. They are nothing other than me. The one I liked, I am that person. My most beloved person, I am that person and I will never be separated. We all feel that father, mother, husband, wife, children, we, will, we don't want to be separated. And when we feel sad when somebody beloved dies, Vedanta tells you that you will never be separated. You are actually one with them. All the time. So, we are one with all of these characters. But the condition is the character you don't like. That annoying person. 
that miserable neighbor or whoever it is. You are also one with that. <laughs> that person is also you. No enemies are possible. Who is the friend and who is the enemy? When um, both are but one. Swami Vivekananda says in his poem, praiser, praise, blamer, blamed uh, are but one. one. You, you are the same reality. So this is the second thing. You are free of body and mind, first thing. Second thing is, you are uh, one. Everything that happens in the universe is nothing but you. Very great thing. And the whole universe depends on you. It is an appearance in you. It's a movie playing on you, the screen. You don't depend on it. You can exist without the movie. You, the screen, can exist without the movie. The movie cannot exist without you. Every bit of the movie is you. But you are free of the movie. Any kind of movie can be played. Or no movie can be played. Similarly, on you, the consciousness, the movie of this world is being played. Sometimes a comedy, sometimes a tragedy. And sometimes no movie. The universe is dissolved. Mahapralaya. You continue to exist. So this is the meaning of Aham Brahmasmi. Okay. All very good. And this is something that Krishna assumes because he has already taught this in second chapter. Now, what about our original question about action? Till now, all activities had to be done in the spirit of Karma Yoga. But now when you realize you are the screen, what is the status of action? You realize that the screen itself is beyond all actions. Even while all action is going on. In the movie, the hero is doing heroic things. The villain is doing villainous things. Screen is not doing anything at all. Not only not doing, it cannot do anything. In the movie, car is going on. Can the screen drive? No. But depending on the screen, the hero is driving the car. The character is driving the car. So the body and the mind, depending on you, the consciousness, performs all activities in the world. You are the body-mind, the one who is doing the activity. You are the, the person who is benefiting from the activity. You are the objects which are being used in the activity. Suppose you are serving food to somebody. You are this body and mind. This body and mind is nothing apart from you. The food itself is nothing apart from you. The person who is eating is also nothing apart from you. The instruments with which you are serving is nothing apart from you. Brahma, Arpanam, Brahma, Vivi, Chant. This is the meaning. So what is the status of action now? What is the status of action earlier? I am this body and mind. If I want to be spiritual, I must convert my karma into karma yoga. That was my, that was the earlier understanding of action. Now the understanding of action becomes, I am the screen. All the activities in the movie are, I have nothing to do with it. But they take place only because I am there. I lend them in Vedanta, Satta Spurti, existence and awareness. Nothing exists without me. No movie can play without the screen. And I also illumine everything happening in the movie. I illumine everything going on in life. I give existence and consciousness. But I am not actually doing anything. I cannot. Consciousness cannot do anything in that sense. It's through the body and mind action goes on. At the level of the movie, that action goes on. Also, one more thing I forgot to mention. Screen real, movie false. Movie is an, is an appearance. Brahma Satyam, Jagat Mithya. 
If you say aham brahmasmi, aham satyam, aham means the real aham. I am Brahman. I is the reality. And the world is an appearance. I, the screen, am the reality. The world, the movie is an appearance. And I forgot to mention that. And who am I? The character in the movie? I am none. The character in the movie is none other than the screen. Jeeva Brahmaivanapara. Or in the pot and water example, till now I thought I am the pot and the water and the reflected little sun. That was the meaning of I. Now the meaning of I is I am not the pot. I am not the water. I am not even that reflected little sun. Manobuddhya hankara chittani naham. I am not mind. I am not intellect. I am not memory. I am not even the ego. Then chidananda rupaha shivoham. I am of the nature of pure consciousness, pure existence. I am that huge blazing sun in the sky. So This is the change which has now come. So what will happen now? All activities will continue. But it's no longer that I am doing all the activities as spiritual practice, as karma yoga. No. Body and mind is acting at the level of samsara, at the level of the movie. I am the existence consciousness. I am the witness consciousness. I give all this existence. I, I am the unaffected witness of all of it. Action is going on. Body and mind could be acting. Body and mind may not be acting. And whatever it is. It might be meditating. It might be a monk. It might be a householder. Whatever it is. I am the background reality of not only this one body and mind, of all bodies and minds. So this will be the idea. In whom? Not in Brahman itself. In that particular body-mind now, that enlightened one, that, that uh, jnani now. That jnani will now think like this. The whole perspective will be changed. Now with this background, we will see all of this necessary to understand this one little verse. Now what happens? Sarva karmani manasa sanyasya. Giving up all activities by mind. Manasa by the mind. By the mind here means by the understanding. Giving up all activities. That means, see what it means here is, giving up activities by understanding means what? At first I thought, I am the one driving the car. Then I realized, no, no. I am this, this person and the car are all part of the movie. I am the screen. I am not driving a car. The character in the movie which is appearing in me is driving a car. The car is in the movie, the character is in the movie and the driving is also in the movie. But the whole movie is appearing in me, the consciousness. Uh, the, the screen, sorry, I'm mixing up. <laughs> the whole world is appearing in me, the consciousness. Body and mind are appearing in me, the consciousness. Body and mind are acting in the world. Yes, that is going on. But... I am not acting. This understanding is called Sarva Karmani Manasa Sanyasya. By understanding, by the mind, by the enlightened mind, you are giving up all activities. This is the giving up of activities, not actually physically stopping the activities. If you tell the, the character in the movie, you are not a real person, you, it's a movie, you are the screen, stop driving the car. No, that's silly. At the level of the movie, let it go on. Let the driver drive the car. But the screen is not driving a car. There is no car, there is no driver, there is no driving going on. It's just a screen. Just light and pictures. Similarly. So, sarva karmani manasa sanyastya. Physical activity, mental activity, verbal activity. You are giving it up. Giving it up by what? By the knowledge, I am the um, 
pure consciousness ever free from action this is the knowledge but body will go on acting words tongue will talk mind will meditate on god this will go on no problem at all movie can go on just because you realize screen is reality do you do you have to switch up the movie not at all you can now enjoy the movie even better then what will happen sanyasya by by this kind of understanding of action new understanding of action has come sukham aste vashi sukham vashi aste sukham vashi the enlightened one relaxes aste sukham lives happily relaxes he finds great peace what peace fifth level of peace fifth level of peace the ultimate peace where this is important navadware pure dehi naiva kurvan nakarayam where where is this enlightened person in this body and mind navadware pure dehi pura means the city there is a city and the city has nine gates what is that city the body what are the nine gates the sense organs and the organs of action so you will count you will find nine so nine gates by which we interact with the world so this city of nine gates it is a poetic way of referring to the body in this body itself you are there of course it's a different matter that the body is a is an appearance in consciousness but still in this body where is the screen in the movie where is the screen i can see the hero driving the car where is the screen you're telling me that there is a reality called a screen right there in that hero the, the screen is there so in this body and mind you are there in the in the city of the nine gates the atman you the consciousness are there how are you there sukham aste relaxed happy let the body and mind do its thing let the little person do its duties in the world perfectly happily i am relaxed this is with great um, point to be understood advaita vedanta does not ask you to stop activities advaita vedanta does not even ask you to give up um, samsaric life and go away in mountain and sit in meditation not even that swami vivekananda put it very beautifully he said he who runs away from life to meditate and die in a himalayan cave see this was very powerful for me because i was doing that and i read it at that time it really struck me like a thunderbolt he who runs away from life to meditate and die in a himalayan cave has missed the has missed the way and he who this is he who plunges headlong into the vanities and the luxuries and vanities and foolishnesses of life he has missed the way too that's very interesting either you run away from life or you plunge into life then which is which is the third way he says there is a third way the way is then what is the way the way is to see god wherever you are with whatever with whomever you are in whatever you are doing it is to divinize life itself somebody tells you these ornaments are not the reality gold is the reality find the gold if i throw away the ornaments and look start looking for gold i'll never find it that's the fool who ran away to to the mountain i'm talking about myself only and the one who thought this necklace is gold he or she is not wrong 
but he has mistaken the necklace to be the gold what is what's the harm in it the harm is the moment the necklace is melted and converted into a bangle or into a necklace into a, a ring uh sorrow oh gold is gone gold is not gone the reality is there in another form now but you are crying because you are attached to that particular form i wanted it in that form that is the reality the form is not the reality the reality is the gold that is the one who has foolishly plunged into the vanities of life if you plunge into the vanities of life you will have clear raga dvesha i want it in this form i don't like it in that form you are in for trouble but the one who divinizes life itself who sees everything in the movie is nothing but the screen who sees brahmarpanam brahmavi in all activities sees brahman alone that person sukham maste relaxes and is most happy in the midst of life itself i like repeating this one line i, I um actually read uh, from a sadhu in uttarakhand who says uh, that um, that uh, advait व्यवहार को मिटाता नहीं है अद्वैत आपको व्यवहार में निर्वाद बनाता है ओ अद्वैत प्रती को मिटाने के लिए नहीं है अद्वैत वेदांत इज नॉट फॉर वाइपिंग आउट द वर्ल्ड एट अपियरेंस नॉलेज इज नॉट फॉर वाइप स्विचिंग ऑफ द मूवी दैट द रियलिटी इज द स्क्रीन दैट नॉलेज डज नॉट मीन यू हैिच ऑफ द मूवी इट इज नॉट डिमांडिंग दैट यू स्विच ऑफ द मूवी रादर इट मेक्स यू निर्बाध इज मीन्स इट मेक्स यू लिमिटलेस in the activities of the world limitless means now you are no longer limited to one little personality you realize you are the reality of this entire world appearance you are limitless limitless in the sense in waking you are there in dream you are there in deep sleep you are there if the world is there and people are around you it's all going very well wonderful you are there same reality if the world is in trouble and corona virus and everything lockdown shutdown you are the same thing same reality you are not at all faced by this you the uh, innermost reality so uh, this is uh, this is called nirbad um, limitless in action you can be in the midst of intense activity and you know that you are brahman you can in be in the midst of intense peace in an ashram or in in a uh, mountain cave same brahman so this is possible in advaita vedanta this is what he is saying um sukham maste happily sign of enlightenment no grumbling health problem relatives problem climate problem job problem money problem so these are there yes but these are there at the level of the movie not at the level of the screen i am the screen if you understand advaita vedanta you will see it's just a matter of fact what that i am the screen i am the background reality it's just a statement of fact it's just a matter of owning up to the fact that i am brahman this brahman is free of problems but i have got many problems you are brahman <laughs> i understand advaita vedanta aham brahmasmi but there is uh, there are these problems in the family there are problems in money and there is this problem in my job how can i am brahman and the next moment i have a family brahman has a family a job and money so that's not possible you're mixing up these two levels of the i when you say i have money problems health problems relationship problems then i am this pot with the water and the reflected little sunlight in it 
then there is a big pot next to me whom I'm jealous of. There's a little pot next to me whom I'm contemptuous of and so on. There's another pot which is new and I'm envious of that. And all of these problems are there because I'm identifying with a pot. Um, Sukham Maste, enlightened person. If you ask enlightened person, what is the happiest time of your life? Good test. What is the happiest time of your life? Enlightened person will say now. Which is the best place you have stayed in? The enlightened person will say here. Because Brahman is here. Brahman is now. I am perfectly all right. Ramakrishna ji. So Sister Devamata, when she heard about all the troubles that Swami Ramakrishnanji had gone through in his life, and she, she writes, I felt indignant. Why should God subject such a saintly person to so much trials and tribulations? And when I expressed this to the Swami, he looked surprised. And he said, oh, but this, my true life is infinite. This little life belongs to the Lord. Let him play with it as he wishes. So that... There's so many such lives have come. So many movie shows have happened. Every day the same show is repeated. Why should I be worried about uh, the, um, the tragedy in the movie and weep at it? Do I have to weep on every show of the movie? Not at all. I am the screen. All right. So, Sukham Maste. Most happily in the midst of active life, you, you are there in the middle of the nine-gated city, the body. And what does it do? Nothing. What do you, Brahman, do in, in the middle of that city? Nothing. Naiva kurvan na karayan. Yes, but you are making the body and mind active. Not all, Also not true. Is the screen making the villain do bad things and making the hero do good things? The screen is not doing anything. So, body and mind, they act according to their samskaras, according to maya, but you as Brahman, you are not doing anything at all. This is the meaning. Then you get the fifth level of peace. I am Brahman. Aham Brahmasmi. Then let's do two more verses which are just complementary to each other. That means um, you are as Brahman, not the karta, the doer of deeds. And if you are not the doer of deeds, you cannot be the bhokta the enjoyer or the sufferer of the results of the deeds. I'll repeat, Katta Bhokta means, Katta means the agent of actions. Bhokta means the experiencer of the results of actions. Katta is the doer of karma, agent. Bhokta is the experiencer of karma phala, uh, pleasure or pain. You are, you the consciousness, you are neither. You are neither. You are the witness of this whole game. Um, 14 and 15. Nakatritvam nakarmani lokasya srijati prabhu nakarma phalasang yogam svabhavastu pravartate. The Lord creates for this world neither agency nor actions nor union with the fruit of action, but nature acts. Here in place of Lord, Lord means Brahman, consciousness, my nature, my real nature. Nakatritvam. You, there is no agentship there. The screen in the movie does not is not the doer of heroic deeds, not the doer of villainous deeds. Nakarmani, not even the actions. Not the doer of the actions is not even the actions themselves. 
Are there really heroic deeds going on? Are there really villainous deeds going on? In the movie, yes. But in the absolute sense, no. Lokasya, of the world, of the universe. Srijati means creates or projects. Prabhu here means, um, I mean, in devotional sense, it means God. But in this Advaitic sense in which we are taking it, it means your reality. Satchidananda uh, Brahma. Na karma phalasangyogam. Nor does it bring the results of action to you, to the, to the doer, because you are not the doer. Then why is all this happening? If the screen is not doing anything, then why, is, why are so many movies playing? Swabhavastu pravartate. Swabhava, by its very nature, all these things are happening. By very nature means by Maya. Advaita Vedanta is very simple. Any difficult question you ask, they will either go to Brahman or Maya. Why does anything exist? Because of Brahman. Brahman is existence. Why are we experiencing all this? Experiencing means consciousness. Brahman is consciousness. But why is there so much good and bad, suffering, the up and down, so many problems are going on? Oh, that is Maya. All the trouble, we put it on Maya. And all the reality and good things, we put it on. Good and bad, both are Maya. And the reality of this whole thing is Brahman. And you are Brahman. Then next, Nadat. This consciousness, Nadatte Krasyachit Papam, it does not accept, um, it does not suffer from the results of Papa. It is bad activities, villainous activities. Nachaivam Sukritam. Nor does it enjoy the results of good karma. Vibhu, the all-pervading. The screen is the all-pervading because it pervades the entire movie and every movie and the absence of movies. Consciousness is all-pervading because it pervades the entire universe and the absence of the universe also. That consciousness is not a bhokta. It is not the enjoyer or sufferer of good and bad deeds. Then why does all this seem to be happening? Because of ignorance, this, this reality is hidden from us. And therefore we become jantu. The Sanskrit word jantu means animals. We become animals. We, the pure consciousness, we are jantu now. We are animals. We are muhyanti. We are deluded. We think we are a character in our own movie. And then we go through these Endless uh, cycles of ups and downs and endless movie shows. The world will go on. All you need to do is break through this ignorance and realize your nature as the reality behind this world. Once you do that, there's no problem anyway. And you can help others also. You can help others in all sorts of ways, material ways and especially spiritual ways. Okay. Let me quickly see. What are these? What is the questions on activities in the chat? Um, Alpana Chatterjee says, given that Karana Sharira is avidya, does it mean it's primarily made of tamas? But then will it not reflect? It will not reflect consciousness. So it's primarily sattva like antakaran. So the Karana Sharira is all three: sattva, rajas, and tamas. Because Karana Sharira is the causal body, it is agyana. Agyana is a part of Maya. And Maya basically is made of all three constituents, Sattva, Rajas, and Tamas. Uh, none of them are the reality. 
but um, the sattvika part of it when when it is when the, its product the product of um, the causal body which is the subtle body when it is primarily sattvika it's purified and how is it purified by what was said earlier by karma yoga then this enlightenment becomes possible but all three are there sattva rajas tamas all are there sri ramakrishna put it very nicely in his, in his really cute story the man who was going through a forest and he was attacked by three robbers and one robber uh, wanted to beat him up and kill him the other robber said let's not kill him let's just steal whatever he has and tie him to this tree uh, and the third robber took pity upon him and untied him and took him to the road which will lead to his city and said you take this road you'll go to your city and you'll you'll be safe and this man was so uh, grateful to the third robber robber today he would say stockholm syn- syndrome you know <laughs> so he was so grateful to this third robber he said why don't you come with me to the to my home you have saved me and the third robber said look i am a robber too where you are going i cannot go so this is the story the first robber was tamas who will destroy us basically destroy us means trap us forever in samsara the second robber is rajas which is makes us prey to desire and ambition and anger and greed and all of that uh, binds us in samsara and the um, third robber is sattva who frees us from samsara who shows us the way to enlightenment the your reality but that reality is beyond the third robber also that reality is us our reality the city is brahman so it's a very beautiful uh, example krishna murti bills comment i have already mentioned uh, vishwanathan says the example of many paths with reflected sun is wonderful adi shankaracharya in bhashya on vishnu sahasranam describes aditya as one of the thousand names as the one who's reflected in many paths of water yes um, consciousness is you can think of it as sun but uh, always be careful the i mean advaita vedanta depends heavily on these examples on these analogies but uh, you require a good teacher who will point out how to use those analogies you can misunderstand also with no analogy is perfect the sun in the sky and parts of water uh, so part water there are many in number and the sun is very far away and obviously sun and the pot are different but brahman and this world and body and mind are not different so that that part will not apply prabir basu says we do have choice of what work we do what determines the choice many things there you have a certain amount of free will but you also have a lot of prarabdha karma so depending on on one's prarabdha karma our parents our body our capacities in this life and the major events of our life uh, will will come to us including work profession all those things will come um bill says in the screen example the screen does not seem blissful well you will be a very blissful screen if you realize you are free of the movie who is blissful the one who watches the movie is blissful so here you are the screen on which the movie is playing and you will be blissful because you can see so many movies in yourself and you will be blissful regardless of comedies and tragedies because you are free of it the aesthetic example um, enjoyment depends on your being free of danger of 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 the trouble shown in the movie or in the painting or whatever it is 
then only you can enjoy it. In Vedantic sense, it is the very limitlessness of the screen which is which makes it blissful. Chandogya Upanishad says, Yo vai bhuma tat sukham, nalpe sukham asti. That which is the infinite, that alone is happiness. There is no true happiness in the limited. So what is limited? Everything in the movie is limited. Every character is limited because every character is different from every other character. Every character has a limited span of existence. Every character occupies only a small part of the fictional space of the movie. So the characters in the movie are all limited. But what is unlimited in the movie? The screen on which the movie is playing. In what sense unlimited? Everywhere in the movie the screen is there. In every character that screen is there. In every activity that screen is there. In every object that screen is there. And when the movie does not play and the movie is over, the screen is there. So the, the screen is unlimited. And that unlimited nature is bliss itself. Upanishad says that our unlimited nature is bliss. Um, John Dhar says, so is it correct to say for an enlightened person living in the present? Living in the present is a kind of, um, uh, it's, it's a very popular kind of slogan these days. You have to stay in the present. Not in that sense. I, I know why you said it, because I said, well, what is the happiest time of your life now? Uh, it's not just because it's the present. The happiest time of my life is now because Brahman is here, now. And when, is, when is Brahman not? All the time. All the time Brahman is there. It's, it's not that there's no time when Brahman is not there. But right now, right here is where I find Brahman. So it's the best time. In that sense, it's happy. It's not in the sense of I'm trying to live in the present. In fact, that's the value of the present. Value of the present is that the presence of Brahman is there. <laughs> that's why it's the present. Anuradha says, is there a way to realize our nature without bringing in Maya? Without bringing Maya? Anuradha, you want to um, clarify on the question? Um, from your um, Sunday speech, you were saying that Gaurapada <clears throat> did not say anything about Maya. He said, you know, he didn't bring the Maya. Um, I mean, like any Advaitin, he does accept the theory of Maya, but he says, you need not even bring it in. You can just say it's the very nature of the Turiya to shine forth in this way. So if you say there's a very nature of, um, uh, of the screen to shine forth in these movies. Why I brought in Maya was when he said Swabhavastu Pravartya. The word Swabhava, it means the, the, the Swabha, each of us has a Swabhava. And each of us has a Swarupa. Let me translate that into English. Swarupa means our real nature. Our real nature is what? Brahman. Existence, consciousness, bliss. You are one with God. That's your real nature. Your real identity is that you are one with God. Your real identity is your absolute existence, consciousness, bliss. But... There is a layer. What is that layer? Swabhava, which is your nature. Your real identity, the real you, and your nature. The nature keeps changing. That nature resides in the body-mind, in the causal body, in the seed form, and then it manifests in your mind and in your physical body. So, it's like light. The same light 
when it comes in through the stained glass window from the inside you will see various colors of light beams of light coming in blue and red and yellow now that it's not that the light is different it's just that it has been filtered through the different kinds of um, glass similarly same consciousness now shining through the conditionings of the mind the subtle body which it has picked up through many lifetimes that becomes the swabhava and that swabhava accounts for the various kinds of actions that all of us perform we are all one consciousness sometimes you know a question is often asked to those who first listen to advaita for the first time say so oh then if everybody is god then why are some people good some people bad see here is the difference between swarupa and swabhava swarupa real nature of everybody good and bad of all the heroes and villains in the movie the real nature is the screen of all everybody in this universe the real nature is brahman at this little uh, debate with i still remember a student very smart young student at at, at harvard i said i don't like this the advaitic approach is hitler and mother teresa the same how can it be so so we have made up our mind hitler is the embodiment of evil and mother teresa is the embodiment of uh, saintliness i said when hitler and mother teresa uh, when they were little kids babies was hitler an evil baby and mother teresa was a saintly baby maybe not so much you cannot make out every day when hitler and mother teresa go to sleep deep sleep the deep sleep hitler what remains there the absolute blankness is it an evil deep sleep and is it a saintly deep sleep no so where is the evil and where, i'm not denying look i'm not denying the evil and i'm not denying the saintliness but where is the saintliness where is the evil swabhava own nature and it's in the mind it's in the personality that brings me to the second question that at the end of the speech that sunday you said that your uh, one of the uttarakhand um, swami uh, teach uh, taught you that whatever is not in your deep sleep it's really not there yes that i think that is a very profound teaching yes that's a very godapada kind of teaching very <laughs> radical extreme kind of teaching yes think about it in the terms of the movie and uh, screen example when you switch up the movie when you switch up the movie only screen is there then i say whatever is not there now is not there when the movie is also playing when you switch on the movie you will find people and animals and cars and places and activities good and bad but it none of them were there in when the movie was switched off only screen was there so they are not there now also isn't it true when the movie is playing there are people activities and good and bad things happening it can reduce you to tears it can make you happy and laugh in comedy but the fact is when that movie was switched off none of them were there even now when the movie is ha- happening and it's having an effect on you none of them are there actually similarly what was there when the movie was switched off screen what is there now screen of course for the example i'm just avoid i'm just uh, you know um, not bringing in other elements like there must be a projector there must be a, all of that um so swabhava belongs to maya 
this swabhava it resides in a seed form and resides in that's why i brought in maya swabhava to pravartate because of that um then abhijit is asking verse 13 and the explanation reminded me of a lecture rashtavakra gita yes yadi deham prithakritya chiti vishramitishtasi very beautiful uh, verse one verse in the first chapter of ashtavakra verse number 4 यदि देहं चिति from that perspective he says adhunaiva sukhi you will attain permanent happiness now shanto you will go beyond all sorrows right now when right now right now adhunaiva right now in this way by that one step alone and freedom from bondage attainment of moksha liberation all of that is possible bandha moksha bhavishya you will be free of all bondage of samsara by what just that one little step step away from body into consciousness relax chiti very beautifully put chiti vishram yatishtasi um i think it was sri ramakrishna who said i forget who said it somebody asked this master or one of the senior monks what is the atman like and he said it's like your favorite pillow at the end of a hard day when you relax back into your pillow and say ah the atman is like that see is referring to ashtavakra chiti vishramya consciousness brahman is your pillow you relax back into that i mean it's a way of speaking i'm not saying that you are brahman is like a bed or a pillow and you are somebody who sleeps on that bed you are brahman um relax back another thing i just remembered um, by this once we asked swami ranganathananda ji uh, about the atman how do you experience where how and he tried to explain i still the the uh, the image is very clear in in my memory he sitting there he would always sit straight and, and he said it is simple it is here he seemed to uh, do like this it's it's right here and behind him i could see only the wall of course <laughs> and i didn't know where where is the atman right here means sort of underlying body and mind or the reality of this body and mind it's like the screen sort of being right behind the movie it's not really behind the movie it is underlying the movie everything in the movie is the screen then bill the movie is necessary for us Uh, oh, Rama is saying Swabhava in verse 14 reminds me of what Gaudapada explaining creation of Swabhava. Yes, that's what Anuradha also was referring to. It's a Brahman uh, Devasya Esha Swabhavoyam. It's the very nature of the shining one to shine forth. So you dispense with Maya. Um, just say it's the nature of the screen to shine forth as a movie. That's why there are movies. The thing is we will ask questions like why? why does this person suffer why does this person do good why does this person do bad if you want so much detailed explanation then you have to bring in a director you have to bring in the plot of the movie the script writer hollywood everything has to be brought in then so maya has to come in there 
But if you're not interested, just why is it appearing at all? It's a movie screen. Movies will appear on the screen. That's it. Um, then Bill is saying the movie is necessary in order for us to attain enlightenment. This is what Nagarjuna said nearly 2000 years ago, 1900 years ago, writing in the Mula Madhyamaka Karika. He said, there are two truths. The Buddha has spoken on two truths. The two truths have been taught by the Buddha. Satyam paramarthikam, satyam cha samrittim cha. The, the truth, the absolute truth and the relative truth. And then he said, samrittim anashritya paramartham nadigamyate. Without taking the help of the relative truth, nobody goes to the absolute truth. Very interesting. And that you can see the seed of that idea of two levels of reality. How I'm still using it 2000 years later to explain these verses. What it means is, movie is important for us to gain enlightenment. Very good. Okay. Uh, I think Dimitri's hand is up. Dimitri, you're on. Uh, good evening, Samiji. Uh, it's, uh, we discussed this question previously, but I'm still trying to kind of uh, connect it all. Uh, the connection between the enlightenment and power. And I understand that being enlightened, you are beyond power. You don't really need power. But does it really also mean that you uh, there is a, this capability of uh, absolute free will and uh, ability to enact it? It's more of a theoretical question right now. Like, let's say, like the state of the Brahman. It is beyond the need of the power. I understand that uh, side of things. But does it also mean that in a state, like the state of the Brahman means that at any given moment, if a Brahman wills, it will create a new samsara and everything else? Yes, um, that is true in, say, for example, Kashmiri Shaivism, not in Advaita Vedanta. In Advaita Vedanta, immediately, see, Advaita Vedanta is very monomaniacal that way. They are entirely fixated on reality. Uh, if you say Brahman is entirely free to create a new samsara, Advaita Vedanta will say, has even a single samsara been created? Has Brahman been able to create a single samsara even now? No. Nothing in the movie is real. It's just the screen all the time. Mm -hmm. Has any free will been exercised? Has anything been accomplished in reality? And the Advaitin will say no. And thank God. If it had been accomplished in reality, if Brahman had created a samsara, really, really speaking, we would be in really serious trouble. Right, so, but in this case, like creating yeah, but, a, an illusion. Yeah, so, uh, so that's from an Advaitic perspective. But what uh -huh. you are saying is almost literally true in the Kashmiri Shaiva perspective. In Kashmiri Shaiva perspective, uh, the ultimate reality, Shiva, has unlimited powers of knowledge, will, and action. Jnana Chakriya. So uh, it is always omniscient. The Shiva nature is that it knows everything and it has power of will. It's absolute freedom of will, Swatantriya. Absolute freedom is enjoyed at the, at the highest level. Uh, and it's freedom of will, actually. And action. We have very limited power of action. We have very ineffective wills and we don't know very little at our level, at the Jiva level. At the Shiva level, we ourselves, we are ourselves Shiva. At the Shiva level, these powers will become infinite. What you are saying is, um, they, they take it seriously. So the Kashmiri Shaivas, Rick, I don't know if he's here, he had written to me about this. 
that how about taking will and action and power and knowledge seriously if you take it seriously you get kashmiri shaivism these are real powers of a real god just as if i am real then my power of action um, a power of knowing power of willing they are as real as i am so if, uh, at the level of shiva these powers should be as real as shiva then then if shiva is infinite these powers also must be infinite so yes there is absolute freedom of will at the shiva level kashmiri shaivism what would advaita say to that advaita would say to that it is not freedom of will there is um, he, and according to advaita vedanta and swami vivekananda's words freedom of will is an oxymoron it's it's a contradiction in terms if there is will it's it's within causation it's within maya and there's no freedom there really ultimately it may seem free it's but it's illusory and when what is possible you can go beyond maya and you attain freedom but not freedom of will there is freedom from causation freedom from causality where is power power and causality are the same thing it is the the, the power lies in the cause and is manif exercised in the effect cause becoming the effect or cause giving rise to something that is power and the more you understand it the more you know how to work the machine of maya the more power you can deploy and that's what we have been doing um you know in one of the puranas it's predicted in the future will come the age of the they call it the age of the great machines the age of mighty machines will come when people will understand the workings of this universe and i can only think that they were talking about us and maybe centuries to come where things like ai and you know the subtler machines which are being developed it's just power it's a kind of power um but it's all within causality if you go beyond causality you're going beyond power beyond power does not mean powerless it means um, you can say it's infinite when it becomes infinite you can't really call it power anymore it's just the reality that it that is um, and then does it mean that it's just exists right now right here and uh, both illusion and non illusion like, what exists the reality yes the reality the, the yes, drama the it reality, exists right the, now the and the illusion okay that's what it is like what whatever we see right now whatever we experience right now it is yes. that yet it is an illusion and there is nothing else uh no it is the uh, screen and the movie together our only problem is we are unable to distinguish between the screen and the movie the screen is real the movie is an appearance because we cannot mm. distinguish the two what happens is the movie seems real now i'll repeat right. that screen is real movie is an appearance brahman is real samsara is an appearance but if you are unable to distinguish the two the movie will suddenly look very real and that's the problem so we have partial knowledge we have enough knowledge to see the movie we are able to see hear smell taste touch think act and experience these bodies and minds so that's all part of the movie what is in and through all of this is an absolute reality which we are not uh, we are unable to see or see means discern and that's our real nature when you see that then the movie does not is no longer an illusion or is no longer a problem it's the glory of you know the movie is glorious movie is fun you can give it an oscar 
but only when you know it's a movie otherwise it's a huge problem yes yeah, so the the one that like i still cannot quite grasp is this movement like the beginning of the movie the creation of the, of the movie like i understand the the, the kind of the, yeah the i know that... so it goes back to the whole thing why does the one become the many the question of why maya no, not even all... the why but yes the, yeah. it, it seems like that it means that like since there is a the cause and effect within yeah. the samsara it means that the cause at some point decided to do something right but your the crucial thing you said was within samsara yes within and, samsara yes, yes. Right. and the cause and effect cause does something and the effect is produced and all of that is within samsara and the reality which um, advaita speaks up is not within samsara it's not within this chain of cause and effect at all so courtesy of my lecture on maya if you look at that again this has been talked about and we we have discussed that why maya basically you're asking why maya you're asking why causation at all and what's the problem with that question these things we have discussed there all right on okay. that very abstract note we'll bring it to an <laughs> end now om shante 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 hari hi om tat sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupa Namastos